In today's episode, we laugh out loud in church while the Bible is being read. We are reminded that although peas are good for you, you should not stick them up your nose. We watch as Adam tries to avoid trouble. We listen in on the Ghostbusters when they think the world is about to end. We learn about a really forgiving king, and we encounter Jesus being funny twice, all on the way to answering the question, does God have a sense of humor? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. I was a first-year student in seminary, and not surprisingly, a part of our expected routine was that we begin every day with a worship service in the seminary chapel. I was sitting in the pew with a group of my fellow classmates, all of my same year, and someone was reading a passage of Scripture to us. It was the third chapter of Genesis, to be specific. Now, I want to make a quick aside at this point. I had an Old Testament professor, not in seminary, but in college, who told us that an absolute truth is that if you take a two-year-old, give them a bowl of peas, tell them they can do whatever they want, but must not put the peas up their nose. Well, he said, if the two-year-old is left unsupervised, you can be darn sure you will return to a two-year-old with a nose full of peas. This, he said, was the nature of humanity, adults or children. Adam and Eve are put in the Garden of Eden, and God tells them, look, you can pretty much, you can have the run of the place. All I ask is that tree, that one tree over there, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone and never eat of its fruit. Adam and Eve are left unsupervised, and they waste no time getting down to the business of eating the forbidden fruit. So the story that was being read to us in seminary chapel that day, my first year of seminary, was the passage that tells the story of their getting caught after having eaten the fruit. Now, here's the passage that was being read. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. What surprised me was that as the passage was read and the seminarian read the words, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. Everyone, well, almost everyone, began to laugh. Actually, it was mostly the second and third year students. I think most of us in our first year were a little surprised that there was laughter in this church service while the Bible was being read. Now, let me make it clear. It wasn't funny because the reader had made any effort in their delivery of the reading to make it funny. Quite the contrary, the reading was delivered in a pretty basic, maybe even monotone form. The humor was not in the delivery, but in the words. It was a group of people who were listening, 
really listening to the reading, and they already knew the story. They'd studied it, so the words jumped out to them with the humor of this moment. Adam and Eve are literally given only one rule, and they break it immediately. And when they are confronted, Adam is the one who answers. And Adam does kind of that classic teenage attempt at avoiding blame. Look, place the blame anywhere else. Anywhere else. Adam basically says, look, God, there are three of us here. Me, you, and Eve. You, you were the one who brought her here. She, she's the one who chose for us to eat the fruit. Someone is to blame. I mean, someone as in you or Eve. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm blameless on this one. It is funny because before seminary, I never, never thought of the Bible as being funny. But if you spend enough time with the stories in Scripture and you get to know them really well, then the humor in many of them begins to emerge. Okay, so we can say that there is humor in Scripture. Scripture is divinely inspired by God. Ipso facto, God has a sense of humor. Wow, this one was pretty easy. End of podcast. Wait, some of, some of you are shaking your heads. That's, that's not enough for you? Huh, tough crowd. I have certainly heard it said that there is evidence of God's sense of humor in nature. Just look at the seahorse or several members of the baboon family, the kangaroo. They're all just funny to look at. There is enough wackiness in the animal world, the animal kingdom, to prove that God has a wonderful sense of humor. Wait, what do you mean that argument doesn't work for you? Really? Okay, all right, truth be told, it doesn't really work for me either. I'm pretty sure that all it proves is that God created the world with mechanisms to spawn a wonderful and wild variety in the animal kingdom. For all we know, if an alien came to visit Earth from another planet, from an objective outsider's point of view, we might really be the funny-looking ones. What we really need is examples of God being funny. Now, there's a problem. The problem being is that God, by very definition, is incomprehensibly transcendent, which means that God may be amazingly hilarious, but we aren't able to get the joke very often. There is a word called theophany. It simply means a visible manifestation of God to a person or group of people. There's lots of examples of theophany in Scripture. Moses encounters God on Mount Sinai at that time that he's given the Ten Commandments, and that's a theophany. The children of Israel are led by God through the wilderness as a column of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day, and each of those is a theophany. One of the Old Testament's most famous instances of theophany is when Moses encounters God in the burning bush. Look, the only person around to tell that story was Moses. And when he finally realized that he was in the physical presence of God, well, I'm reminded of a scene at the end of the very first Ghostbusters movie. The Ghostbusters are ultimately faced with the manifestation of the evil they are battling. In this case, it is, if you have seen the movie, you will remember it, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Bill Murray is trying to get ideas from his brilliant friends. Dan Aykroyd, who plays Ray, is 
babbling incomprehensibly about his childhood. So Bill Murray turns to Egon, played by Harold Ramis, and asks for whatever input, whatever ideas he might have. And Egon, well, this is how it goes. Ray has gone bye-bye, Egon. What have you got left? Sorry, Beckman. I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. Sorry, Venkman. I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. The point here is that when we are confronted by things that are beyond our ability to understand, when we have the sudden sense that we are in the presence of something that makes us feel, well, infinitesimally small, we are filled with terror. We are cognitively and emotionally incapacitated. My point is that since... We have only Moses to tell us the story, and he was probably quaking in his sandals right up until the point where he was told to take them off. We really have no idea as to the nuances of how God communicated in that exchange. Truth be told, God may be rattling off the funniest things in the history of the universe, but in the moment of a theophany, well, humanity is normally just not in a good place to catch it. Now, for those of us who are Christian, we have a remarkable theophany. First, it's remarkable because God came in the form of a human, and he went through all the phases of human life. So if God has a sense of humor, this would be a great place to capture it. This is literally God walking around in our midst, in human form, for years. Okay, first, let me tell you the difficulty with looking for humor in Jesus' words in the Bible. The writings of the New Testament, specifically in this instance, the Gospels, were written for a very specific purpose. Also, you and I experience an existence where the tools of writing are cheap and plentiful, but they weren't for the disciples. So every word was carefully collected to make sure the point that this man was the Son of God and came to spread the good news and God's forgiving love— Every word was carefully collected to make sure that point was made. Anything that didn't go to that point wasn't told, which is why we don't have things that we would normally think we would have in Scripture. We don't have a single physical description of Jesus. Not in any way. Because it doesn't tell that story. It doesn't make that point. So again, even if Jesus was hilarious, most of his humor probably wouldn't make it into Scripture because... Well, this wasn't written to be Jesus' funniest moments. Also, some of the humor is very specific to understanding the context. Let me give you an example. Jesus tells the story of a servant who owed the king money. Jesus tells his listeners that this man owed 10,000 talents. Now, that's a sum that has no grounding for those of us in modern day time. So let's break it down. Now, a day laborer's standard pay for a day of work was a denarii. So let's kind of put that in minimum wage terms. Here in Georgia, the minimum wage is $7.25. After eight hours, you would have earned $58. Now, we'll call that a denarii, a day laborer's day wage. A talent is worth 6,000 denarii. 
And this servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, I won't make you do the math. The servant owed the king, in today's dollars, $3,480,000,000. When the debt was called due, the servant fell to his knees and begged for more time. Just give me some more time, and I will pay all of it back to you. The king not only gave him more time, but he actually forgave the entire debt. Now, we don't catch it in our modern-day listening, but Jesus told the story with a humorous and yet poignant sense of proportion that would not have been lost on the listeners of the day. A servant who promises to pay back $3.5 billion, if he's just given a little more time, would have been ludicrously funny to the listener of the time. Okay, let's look at another story. There is a story of Jesus calling Nathanael to be a disciple. And it goes like this. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than that. There is classic humor here. Nathaniel gets excited and proclaims Jesus the Son of God because, well, because Jesus had seen him under a fig tree. And Jesus says, that's the reason you believe? Oh, your mind is really going to be blown in days to come. Okay, so one possible answer to the question, does God have a sense of humor, is that the classic Christian theophany is Jesus. Jesus clearly has a sense of humor. Therefore, God has a sense of humor. But for me, this isn't even the most compelling evidence that God has a sense of humor. The most compelling evidence, I think, that God has a sense of humor, well, we have to go back to the very beginning of Scripture. The first book, the first chapter, verse 27. So we go to the book of Genesis and we read, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Does God have a sense of humor? Well, the strongest argument for me that the answer is yes is that, well, we have one. We were made in the image of God, and we have a sense of humor. It seems highly unlikely that God would have created humor, created laughter, created our ability to experience wonder and surprise and joy without having those things within the divinity of God. We are created in the image of God. Surely as prevalent as humor is throughout all of humanity across the globe and across time, we can assume that God indeed has a sense of humor. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. 
Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me by email, my address is dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>